Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big money at And now, join Kevin Hart as he dives into the minds of some of the world's funniest comedians. This is Comedy Gold Mines with Kevin Hart. Welcome, world. What do we do on this show? Well, I'll tell you exactly what we do. We get inside the minds of comedians. Oh, and what amazing minds they are. See, you think that it's one layer to them, but it's not. Comedians got like 30 different layers to these goddamn minds, man. And I know that because I'm a comedian. And also because I'm friends with all these goddamn people. I felt it was important to give you guys the lay of the land. And today, oh man, today we're getting inside a brilliant mind. A brilliant mind with a brilliant beard. One of the best beards in the goddamn business. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Hassan Minaj to the show. What's up, man? What's up, bro? How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm all right. I mean, that's the most loaded question of the year. Yeah, how are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's actually, it actually is. Yeah. It comes with so many different fucking layers, doesn't it? Only layers, yeah. It's not, it's not an easy answer. Well, to be honest with you, man, not too good. A lot yeah. of shit is going on <laughs> right now. Uh, yeah. First, I'll say thank you for doing it. Thank you for joining me. Um, I got a lot of questions for you, man. Okay. A lot of questions for you. First question, first, first one is a very important one. Um, how did you get into stand-up comedy? Before I get into how funny you are, before I get into the levels of funny that you have reached, uh, your view on funny. I want to know why comedy, how comedy? Yeah, man. So it's interesting. You, you were the funny guy at the sneaker store, right? Like that's your story. Like yes, you sir. the funniest dude in the room. The funniest guy ever to sell sneakers is what they say. I think you and Jamie Foxx like have that same like story, right? Mm -hmm. Like you and Jamie have that same story, right? Like you were, y'all were at like working at the mall and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But uh, for me, man, I'm, I have the same story that a lot of immigrant kids had. I'm a child of immigrants. My father came to the country in 82. Um, his rules with me were pretty strict. I was the eldest son, so I was the first round draft pick. I really couldn't fuck up. So like, we didn't have cable television. And uh, so I, I grew up, I, I, I didn't get to see a lot of the seminal comedy work that shaped a lot of my contemporaries. I stumbled into public speaking in high school through my teacher, Miss Takeuchi, shout out to Miss T. She would notice that I would, I would like make comments in the back of the class. I would kind of fuck around. I'd, I'd always kind of be a smart aleck. And she asked me to be a part of the, the public speech and debate team. And uh, speech and debate has this competition called impromptu public speaking. Basically two high school kids are given a topic. You have to argue one side, the other person has to argue the other. And I we would travel and it was my forte. And whenever I would debate other kids, I would, I would just make fun of them. Um, mm, snapping. Yeah. Well, snapping in the middle of the, of debate. Yeah. So like I'm debating Kev and we, we, we go to Philly and Kev and both you and I are 15 mm -hmm. and they're like, all right, Kevin, you are arguing why we need to increase municipal funding for the water supply. And I you fucking have lost. Get, yeah, and immediately I'm, I'm like, yo, we're both 15 years old. Why are we arguing about tax policy when neither of us know what the fuck we're talking about? Number two, Kevin, that's your mom. Your mom is one of the judges. That's a conflict of interest. Number three, before we fix the water supply, like why is the gym roof leaking? Like we got a lot of other things. And so the, like, the, the judges would just start cracking up because it was just parents. And I remember when I, whenever I get the, the point sheet, I would always get like 10 to 15 points higher just for like, just crack, cracking jokes. Mm -hmm. And they, they, they would always like, you know, loved how you had so much fun up there. 
thank you for making, you know, like this an enjoyable experience. You know, like parents would come up to me after the performance and be like, yo, like, I really hate doing this, but, you know, I have my kids on the weekend and I got to be, I got to be a volunteer judge or whatever. Anyways, I didn't realize until I got to college, when I went to college, everybody was illegally downloading things. So Napster, Kazaa, Alt LimeWire. Mm-hmm. I remember that time. So I remember this is 2004. Everybody's illegally downloading. Every, yo, you want to see every episode of South Park? You want to see every Matrix? You want to see every, every, there was this catalog. And one of my friends' roommates was in his room and he was watching Never Scared by Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. And I remember Chris was in, I, I, I'll never forget, he was in the maroon suit. And he was saying crazy. He was talking about the war in Iraq. He's talking about George Bush. He's talking about his wife. Like, you know, he's really being super vulnerable. He was talking about things that I could never talk about at school or at home or at Office Max. I was working at Office Max at the time. And I'm like, yo, this is funny speech and debate. Oh, wow. wow. Like, I didn't even know that it was comedy. I was like, oh, he's doing speech and debate, but he's doing it funny. You took the you you immediately were able to take the comparison. Yeah, categorize it that. That's yeah. dope. And then and then my buddy Imran, who had downloaded it, was like, oh, it's funny that you say that. There's this other comedian who's really funny. And he he's like a poli sci major like you. His name's Greg Giraldo. Oh, shit. You know, R. he's R. one of my guys. R.I.P. Greg Giraldo, right? Yes. And Giraldo, like I was I was studying to be a, a lawyer. I didn't know this, but Giraldo was also a dude who left law. And if you look at if you look at the way he did stand up, you know, he was basically making an argument and then just going backwards. Chris is the same way, you know? Um, and so that was my entry point. I said, fuck it. Like if I, if, if they can do that, like, you know, I was doing that in high school, maybe I should give it a try. So I Googled how to be a stand up comedian. Thing came up, call your local comedy club, ask to open. I didn't know any of the comedians. So I called the Sacramento punchline. I looked up on the website and I was like, Hey, you know, this is hustle Minaj. I was just wondering, you know, I want to be a comedian and um, Dave Chappelle is performing this weekend. So can I, I was wondering if I could open for Dave Chappelle and they're like, what? And I was like, Dave Chappelle, I'm on the website. I run punchline.com and says Dave Chappelle Thursday through Sunday only like get your tickets now. So um, can I open for him? I I have like five minutes. (laughs) So like, Molly and everybody at the punchline thought I was fucking with them. Like there was, there's just this kid calling about Dave Chappelle, you know? And uh, I kept, I called on a Thursday, the Friday, the Saturday. Then I eventually came to the club and they're like, yo, Chappelle kid? And I was, I was like, yeah. And they were like, yo, we thought you were fucking with us. Just come on, just come on the open mic nights. There's the Tuesdays. And so I started, I started just going to the open mic nights and, you know. The rest and that's where it started. What a fucking story. First of all, here's, here's what I love. I love... I love your journey to get to where, you know, to get to the stage, your journey to get to the stage, of course, started on stage and, you know, you took a, an unconventional approach. You know, when you're talking about speaking, when you're talking about debating, there's not a lot of personality that goes into those things. And I think that's probably why you popped out so much. I'll be honest with you. I've actually been to a couple. They're fucking boring. I got nephews, (laughs) nephews, and I got nieces that, yeah. Uh, dealt in that world of debate where I was forced to go. Didn't want to go. I'm be uh-huh. honest with you. Didn't want to go, but didn't want to look like a dick as an uncle. So I went and I was like, this is a shit show. It's fucking, it's depressing for people. And mainly because I, I didn't know a lot of the words or the subjects. And that's, that was a big problem for me realizing that. Dude, kids- but that, but that was one of my X factors was like, I was able to take complicated things and make it simple. Mm. And I really do think I didn't, I didn't realize this until much later basically our job is to distill coffee into espresso. Like we're just, we're just normal philosophers. You know what I mean? That's really what comedians are. It's such a great, that's such a great metaphor. Like that's like, but you do that with your standup. You know, you you come across as a well-educated individual, extremely smart, but you do, you do simplify complicated issues. You know, your your political views that you have, you know, it's dope when people can take politics and make a set based around political views, but yeah. not to necessarily change how you feel or what you feel. That's not my job. I'm not here to make you lean my way or make you lean the other way. I'm here because look at, this is how I look at the world. Yeah. And here's the problems that I have 
And here's here's why they're funny to me. Yep. Here's why people's reactions are funny to me. And I think that's a beautiful thing when done well. And there's, there's not a lot of comedians that do it well. There's a lot of comedians that do it. Yeah. But do it well is a different. I put you in a category wow. with the comedians that do it well. You know, when you talk about Rock, when you talk about Trevor Noah, uh, we talk about John Stewart. You know, these are people that do it well, that that for years have found ways to voice their views, but do it in a way to make you laugh and also educate you and open your eyes up to something you may know or may not know. But nonetheless, you're going to laugh. And yeah. that's a talent. That's a talent yeah. that 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 you definitely have. And I mean, that's why your success has come at the at the level that it has and at the rate that it has. Uh, what what was your dad's? What was your dad's feeling? I mean, you go and you know you're you're now you're going from debate and 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 college to hey man, what's up with the open mic nights? How's your dad feel about this? And what yeah. was your dad's? What did your dad do? So my dad is a chemist, you know. So he's a scientist. holy shit. Yeah. So he he worked. You know, both shout out to my parents. They both worked for the state for 30 plus years. So mm -hmm. um, my dad was a chemist, organic chemist for the Cal EPA. Okay. Uh, super sexy profession. He, yeah. he did uh, tested <laughs> pesticides on bugs. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> like, there you go, man. Just Get like, nerd, you know, my yeah. mom, shout out to my mom, Seema Minhaj. Still, she works at the VA, Mather Air Force Base off of uh, Zinfandel Boulevard in Sacramento. So she still, she still helps the troops over there that, uh, that need healthcare and all that stuff. So she was, she was a physician at the VA uh, at Mather Air Force Base for, for, for 20 plus years. My, my dad is now retired, but his whole thing with me was, look, you know, I, I, the choices for Indian kids are doctor, lawyer, you know what I mean? Engineer, failure, so. Is that, is that really the case? Is, it, is that serious? Like the because because the, you gotta think about it this way, Kev. For immigrants, the, and shout out to Ronnie Chang. He has this great joke. America's the NBA. So mm -hmm. if you're going to go to the league, you have to min minimize risk and maximize upside. Yes. What are, what are your, you got kids, what are the three to five professions where you can guarantee money, guarantee six figures? Doctor, mm -hmm. lawyer, probably some sort of engineer, and now like computer science, like, you know, the, those are your fields. Mm -hmm. So like if anybody's coming to you with some like sociology nonsense, my dad's like, yo, I didn't leave my seven brothers and sisters for you to come and major in sociology. Like, that's wow. not how, wow. you know what I mean? We're yeah. not, we, we've come too far, you know, like. That's, I don't want you to speed past that, man. That's, that's, that's a strong piece of information, you know, that I want people to make sure that they really, truly understand yeah. and listen to and a hell of an analogy. You know, if you're going to leave your country and you're going to America Yes. And I love that. I love the I love the concept of looking at it as if it's the fucking the 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 NBA, the 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 elite yes. of the elite. Like yes. you're you're coming to do something that's that's deemed to be elite. Yes. I love, I, I, and I never I've never thought about it like that. I've never looked at Kevin, it. Put it this way. Put it this way, too. You're wearing an away jersey. Ooh. yo, Ooh. even though you're an American citizen. It's clear that you're not from here. Tasa Minhaj, bro, you're wearing an away jersey. Nobody knows who the fuck you are, bro. Mm. You can't even pronounce your name in class. Mm. Play your fucking position. Mm. So, 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 so me and dad, it was Simba and Mufasa. Mm. So, so Mufasa's telling you, yo, I've been here long. I, I, I'm telling you the game. I'm telling you, this is the way it all works. This is the circle of life. We've come here. You're my only son. You must deliver on the dream. You too must be the king of Pride Rock. And in, in order to do that, you got to do it this way. You know what I mean? Wow. So the, my first decade in standup, basically between 2004 and 2014, until John hired me at The Daily Show, it was real rough between me and my dad. We didn't, we didn't talk a lot because he felt like he put 18 years of investment into me. And now I'm performing in, in basements for Fucking drunk. bars. With three yeah. people, open mic spot, open mics for food. You know, you're totally. this is what it's about. You're getting five to ten dollars. Yeah. I've risked it all. I gave it all, and you chose. I mean, do do you think your father does he look at it as you're you're making a mockery out of me? At, at that point, is it is it that, or is it just is it disappointment within the choices that you're making? It's like this: the profession you're choosing is not classy, like. 
I remember, you know, he came to this club called Laughs Unlimited in Old Sacramento. And he saw people barking, yo, come inside. You know, like we're doing comedy, but they, they were, they're trying to pump you full of liquor to laugh. For my listeners, I, you know, I love to make sure that I paint the pictures correctly, man. When he's talking about barkers, he's talking about the people that stand outside comedy clubs. And what their job is to do is to get people to come inside. A lot of these comedy clubs are empty, you know, through the course of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, possibly Thursday. So what they would do is incentivize some comics that wanted stage time and tell them stand outside and pass out these free tickets, get people to come inside. Your goal is to get them to pay for two drinks and hopefully stay. And if you can do that, then you can get stage time. Base, yep, 100%, right? Okay. Basically, he saw the stand-up comedy club as a way, jokes are just a lubricant to buy drinks. So he's like, man, and, and by the way, you know, I grew up Muslim. I'm a practicing mm -hmm. Muslim. So my dad is like, yo, you're just standing on stage in the middle of the night. And you're this, you're this stage performer that gets people to get drunk. Mm -hmm. Like you're so much better than this. Mm -hmm. He didn't see it as a sophisticated art form, right? Mm -hmm. And then the second part of it was that not only is this not classy, but you're capable, like you're so capable. You know, I had good grades. Like I was a smart kid, you know, like mm -hmm. I saw potential in me. And he was like, I've seen you put your mind to academics and you do so well. Why can't you, why can't, why are you doing this? Why are you throwing it all away for that? And I told him, I said, look, med school is a 10 year journey. You do four years of undergrad. Then you do like three years of med school, three years of residency, two years. of It's a 10 year journey to be a practicing doctor. What if I put 10 years into this? Who knows how far I could go? Mm. And I remember he was just like, you're not Tom Cruise. <laughs> He's like, you're just not. Look at your good. body. Yeah, look, like, at look at your body, Hassan. You're 135 you're pounds. Yeah, you're not Russell Crowe. He's throwing out names that have nothing to do with comedy. Nothing to do way. with the, the yeah. but, he, but what he was trying to say was like, <laughs> yo, like this game that you're talking, it's not built for you, bro. Yeah. And so to... I remember 2005, November 2005 was a game changer for me because Russell Peters dropped his big special on YouTube and it went viral. Viral. This is when Russell Peters popped. You know, shout out to Russell because he's an OG, especially for Indian comedians. And what Russell really showed, I remember he went on tour for the first time. And I think a lot of Latin comics feel the same way about George Lopez and all the OGs that came before them too. It was the first time I saw a dude who looked like me really make it. Mm -hmm. And funny enough, actually, the first time I met you is, is in 2009 when I when I went down to L.A. And Russell was such an OG, he let me just hang with him. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like the same way Chris hung out with Eddie Murphy. Mm -hmm. And he let me hang out with his at his house in the hills and he took his Bentley. He's like, yo, have you ever been in a Bentley? I'm like, I've never been in a fucking Bentley before. I remember we had a Breitling. Mm-hmm so fucking heavy these watches are so heavy. i still got my timex it was crazy we went down the hill we pulled up at the comedy store you pulled up and then you and russell you leaned on the front of the car and you guys were just talking and it was one of the first times i had i had spikely seats to like these two millionaires just going like just talking about life and like and talking you about know, the I, comedy. i can't let you speed by these moments man and by the way you know this is this is why i do this yeah. The the purpose for this show, I want to be honest with you, Hassan. It's for me. It's for <laughs> me. I'm, I'm I'm telling you, it's for me because I know the layers to the individuals that chose to get on fucking stage, right? And there's so many of them. There's right. so many layers. There's so many people, and the stories in the backgrounds to all of these people are so intriguing. Yeah. That if the world had any idea of what they had to go through, how much they had to endure. Yeah. You'll not only respect the craft more, you'll, you'll respect the individuals that made it to yeah. any level of success. It's not the highest. It's not the lowest. Any level of success in this craft yeah. deserves fucking applause. Now what I want to do, uh, I want to get back to what you just said, but let's take a quick commercial break, man. You're listening to comedy gold mines with Kevin Hart. 
John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Did you guys hear about that couple that went on vacation and one spouse murdered the other? In fact, the entire vacation was planned just so that they could make the murder look like an accident. Ah, so like a slaycation. Oh boy, sounds like a fun new true crime podcast to me. On every episode of Slaycation, we'll examine true cases of people who were killed while on vacation. Was it murder? (coughs) Or just a horrible accident? (coughs) That's up to you and the law to decide. But either way, if you leave four-year vacation in the plane and come home under the plane, you've definitely gone on a Slaycation. Join us every week for a fascinating new episode. 911, what's your emergency? But make sure to pack your body bags, because getting away can be murder. This is Slaycation. Now back to Comedy Gold Mines, hosted by Kevin Hart. Once again, we're inside the mind of Hassan Minaj. And before we took a break, Hassan, you said something so fucking amazing. You said when Russell Peters made it, it was so big for you and other Indian, other Indian, let's just say comics, entertainers, whatever it may be, because it's the first time that you saw somebody yes. that looked like you yes. that, that was that was blowing up. Bro, I'll paint the picture. Let's paint it. November 2005, tickets go on sale. Royce Hall, UCLA. This is, a, this is his first North American tour. I got to tell Russell this story. I pay $80 plus the Ticketmaster fee. Bro, I never want to forget this. It was $14. I was like, fuck Ticketmaster. $95. I drive from Sacramento down to LA to see him. I'm like, yo, this is the first guy he's headlining. Chris Spencer opens for him. Mm. And I remember like Russell comes out. I was way up in the nosebleeds. And I watched the whole show. He had a white jacket. He had an all white suit on. It was crazy. But I remember looking around me. I was like, I cannot believe this. There's a whole theater full of people to watch a dude who looks like me be funny. Like I just Mm. blew my fucking mind. Mind blowing. Mind blowing. Mind blowing. You know what I mean? And it's and it's literally it's for every it's for every race. Like I love how you said you know for the Latino community. You know you got you got Asians. uh, You know I mean there's there's so many when when you go to break down all of the different ethnicities that that are partaking in stand up and that have had an opportunity to reach these levels of success, to be supported by your people and then draw other people to you and your talent, it's it truly does become the American dream. Totally. It, it truly does become that, man. And when you talk about Russell, I'll give you a, a great fucking Russell story. Russell was doing crazy tour numbers. This motherfucker was selling out arenas. What? What Arena. is... What? Russell's doing what? Oh my God, Kevin Hart, in the beginning of his stand-up like blossom, yeah, I said, "Show me Russell's layout of his tour." Oh wow! How big are the venues? What, did he always go that big? Was he patiently? How did it happen? I wanted Russell's information because I was so blown away by Russell's consistent numbers on his tour. Even when it got to the point where I got, uh, when I started getting the movies, I got into an argument with a studio over a Russell Peters casting. And there was a conversation back and forth. And I was like, you're arguing when a person has the fucking proof that they have a following. This is when I started to understand what, what results in ticket sales meant. You can't tell me because I have the leverage. Russell had the leverage, and at the time, I don't think Russell realized how much leverage he actually had when when he was in that. 
And I want to give you props because I think what, what you did with Think Like a Man, the first one, the way you kind of really toured that movie to make it a thing. Mm-hmm. It's a, it, bro, I, I took it as a page of inspiration. You know, mm-hmm. and before I launched my show on Netflix, I did the same sort of thing. I did a 40 city tour and I'm, hey, October 28th, my show mm-hmm. drops. Everybody add it to your queue right now. Mm. Because I remember seeing videos of you going to these theaters. Fuck yeah. Basically starting this groundswell of like, all right, you guys are my core cult followers. You, you fuck with me. And I'm asking you, your loved ones, whoever, just spread the word. Like do a verbal Yelp review. Tell mm. them to go watch the movie, you know? And so, That's so I, strong. I, I saw you able to, you know, you, you built that intimate relationship with your fans and then you got them to transact. Yeah. You mentioned a Netflix show, right? And and you know, of course, that that show. I don't want to say that that show acted as a stamp of your arrival, right? Because as a comedian, I of course knew who you were. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm familiar with you as a writer. I'm familiar with uh, yeah, like I'm I'm familiar with that side. Of, so for me, it's different. Like I I I consider all of that success. Right. I consider. Every job that a comedian gets and it comes from that microphone, it's yeah. fucking success. Yeah. The beauty of the Netflix show, after hearing you talk, it sounds like an opportunity for you to go to mom and dad and go, guys, yeah. it's it's working. Yeah. My, my 10 years, it's working. I, what was that conversation? How did it feel? And what was the dad's response to it? So, so... I got to go back a little bit, actually. I remember when I got hired at The Daily Show to be a correspondent. Mm-hmm. And funny enough, me and Trevor were hired the same day. But I was the last correspondent hired by John. And I remember telling my dad, hey, John Stewart hired me. And uh, I had been doing stand-up comedy 10 years, one month, and nine days. Holy shit. At that point. Holy shit. But my dad was able to recognize it because Jon Stewart wore a suit. So he didn't see it as, yo, this guy performs for drunks, you know? My dad was aware of the show because sitting presidents come on The Daily Show to talk with John. Oh, my God. Senators come on the show to, you know what I mean? Class and capability. Oh, my God. There is nobody classier in show business than Jon Stewart. You know, especially during that run, nobody. I I stand with you. Nobody is classier than that guy. I stand with you in your statement. I stand by you and I will I will wholeheartedly not only put John on a pedestal, but I'll help hold the pedestal up. One of the best guys, when you say classy, I'm talking class act, professional, solid stand up. He's a great fucking guy. I stand with you in your statement. The second was capable. Like this dude was firing on all cylinders. That that 17 year, 17 year run that he had, and you get it because you've you've had such longevity in the business. I don't think people understand how hard it is to play at that high of a level for 17. It's fucking crazy. It's, it's crazy. So um when that happened, you know, it was just it changed it changed our relationship. We were able to talk, you know, he was able to come to the tapings, he could see it. Mm. And then the White House correspondence dinner really just completely changed shot that you. That, that shot yeah. you out the goddamn and that, put, and that put me in the international kind of limelight because everybody around the world watches that gig. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't think people, people understand this. This is the only country in the world where there's a, where there is a night where you can make fun of the president. Oh my God. But no other country has, China doesn't have that. No, Even other developed democracies don't have that. Brazil doesn't have that. India doesn't have that. So the world is watching. So yeah, 10 million people on YouTube see it, but a hundred million people around the world. All around the world see it. By the way, because we're America, everybody wants to see the quarterback get sacked. Mm -hmm. I love your fucking analogies. That's the one night where the court jester gets to go at the king and lives and lives, bro. What do you, do you write that set? Uh, you know, as soon as you get the gig, are you, you know, are you like, fuck, man, what am I going to say? Do you go to like some of your closest, your my, guys? Like, my how do you story, put that together? 
my whole story, man, I'm like the Patrick Beverly story, you know, like I'm the undrafted guy who found an opportunity, even with the daily show, you know, Michael Che left to go to SNL. So there was an open spot. And so there was this little blip. My manager emailed me. I'm like, I think I was born for this. Like the daily show is speech and debate. I can do this. Like mm. I can do this. You have to write a desk chat. I'm like, I can write. I've been writing this since high school. So that was an opportunity where, yo, th there was just a, there was an opening in the line of scrimmage. I ran through it, you know, with the correspondence dinner. It was the first year Trump didn't show up. All the celebrities pulled out, the endorser, the endorsements pulled out. Nobody, it was, it was radioactive, right? Now people don't know this. James Corden was supposed to host, but James is, you know, his brand is so, he's so likable. He didn't, he was like, yeah, maybe I don't want, I don't want to alienate anybody. So once again, the gig fell in the hands of an immigrant. Oh, like, all right, God. you know oh, what I mean? We'll, we'll do the work that nobody else will do. Mm. And so time and time again, I've always been this low draft pick, but if you put me in the game, all right, I might hit a big shot. I'm, I, I'm going to seize the moment. Seize the moment, you know? And so, oh my God. So like that changed my life. And a few months later, Netflix called, hey, do you have, do you have an idea for something? And once again, you know, that immigrant hustle, I was already sitting on. Yep, you, yeah, you got nothing. You got nothing in the goddamn can. So, yes, I do. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> I, I basically took my life savings. I don't want to say it on air, but I can tell it to you what it was off air. I talked to my wife, we had our life savings. And I knew, I told her, I was like, as soon as I got off stage at the correspondence dinner, I was like, I got to go be a free agent. I have to leave the Daily Show. Now, let me ask you something, right? What is the... What's the reason for not wanting to say your life savings? What's the reason for keeping that information to yourself? And the only reason why I ask, the only reason why I ask, is not about the number. Yeah. I can give a fuck about the number, right? I don't think that, that the number really holds a real value over what you're saying. Right. But what I, what I like is whatever that thing was, yeah. that thing was attached to you saying that this has to be the time that I seize the opportunity to do what I have put all my time and energy into doing. Yeah. So whatever that number was, and fuck it, don't say it. Don't say the number. Yeah, whatever yeah. that number was, it had it didn't mean anything. But, but it's but it's important. It was life savings. It was everything we had saved up at that. Oh my point. god. So 2015. So the reason why I don't want to say the number is because everybody's financial situation is different. different. Yeah, keep it. And, keep and, it. and I want to be empathetic. Like right now, people are going through a lot of pain. Keep it. Keep it. You're absolutely right. But but I want everybody to know this. Whether you have $100 in the bank or $100 million in the bank, the risk, skin in the game. It's all the same. I put all my skin in the game. I talk, And this was, a, this was a deep conversation with my wife because it could have gone two different ways. It was, yo, we could, we could do this life shit or we could do this career thing. And so- I called, there was a studio at 34th and 8th. I built a stage over the weekend. It was a new studio, Al Jazeera America. It had gone out of business. The studio was empty. I built the stage with the stage designer. We shot a pilot. And then I went to meet with Ted and everybody at Netflix and I played the thing for them. They're like, you have an idea for a show? I said, fuck, fuck the idea, play. And I just played an episode of Patriot Act. It was already titled. Just, it was already, yeah. Just stop for a second. Yeah. Fucking stop. Hold the goddamn press. Somebody shut the front door. Yeah. Flush the toilet. If there's dishes in the sink, clean them. Right now, take a, tell the kids to get off the steps. All right. Cut the <laughs> lights off. Okay. 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 <laughs> um, hold the fuck up man I, I please tell me that everybody understands what he just said the man did not take the meeting that was proposed to him the way that he was supposed to take the meeting it's a general meeting to either talk about an idea pitch an idea sell an idea what he is saying he did He's saying, I took every fucking thing that I had. I invested that thing that I had in building a stage, building a set for me to do what I believe the idea that I hope hypothetically, possibly 
Netflix may like. Hopefully, they may like it. And if they do like it, I invested everything and I put skin in the game and it worked. But if they don't, honey, we are fucked. fucked. But we will but we will figure it out. Somehow, some way. But I don't think that they won't like it because I think that they will because I believe that is so strong. That is so fucking strong, man. But Kev, Kev, you know this, man, because I've, see, I've seen, you know, every iteration, every little rise in your career. Coming out of that gig in 2017, I remember I'm walking the red carpet at the Met Gala, right? I'm like, yo, I shouldn't be here. Mm. Like, they made a mistake. But I realized, okay, I have this moment. I'm the hot new kid, right? You only get to be the hot new kid once. Once. One time. And I'm, time. I'm so grateful to God that I was 32 years old when it happened. Mm. Cause I was old enough to get it. You Mature. know what I mean? Your mindset is prepared to deal yeah. with what's going to come with it. Yeah. I could fuck around and mm -hmm. get into some nonsense, make some bad financial decisions, make some bad personal decisions, take that for a spin around the block. Mm -hmm. Or I know I have the industry with their back against the wall. They're on the ropes. Are you going to knock them out? Now you can, whatever you want, when you're hot, you can get whatever you want. So I had this window where they were like, what else does this dude have? My special Homecoming King just dropped mm -hmm. a month after the correspondence. There. This is like, God, wins a Peabody. I'm like, okay, I got it in the bag. Like I have them and the they're gonna ask you, what do you want? You can do whatever you want. So if I have this much leverage, I told my wife, I was like, babe, I gotta do it my way. So it it's not just being, you know, ostentatious or crazy you got to have the window of opportunity but when you have that window you got to go all chips are in mm. and so um yeah man i'm just so glad that i took that i took that chance you know what i'm glad that you saw it see because there's 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 so much brilliance in what you're saying but the biggest piece of brilliance is you realizing it right you realizing that the moment was there right that you had to seize the moment and the gamble was taking what you had to help you seize the moment. There's a lot of people that may get the moment, but are fearful of the moment, yeah. are timid within the moment, that don't take the moment because they feel like this moment is going to last forever. And it doesn't. Nah. That moment don't last forever. I don't care how hot something is, the flame will sizzle out. But there's a difference when you say, I think this, this flame right now it's so hot that it can continue to catch fire. It, it can catch fire elsewhere. Yeah. I just have to place it in the places for it to catch fire. And that's what I love the most about what you said. Because, dude, my flame, my flame has been put out several fucking times. So when yeah, you man. say something like, I'm not supposed to be here, it hits so hard for me because I know what you're saying. I know yeah. that feeling. I know that thought. I know that mindset of how the fuck. I got a question. I got a question for you. Please. I'm in the next phase of the career, right? Mm -hmm. So we did six seasons of Patriot Act and it's come mm -hmm. to an end. And now I'm going to the next chapter. When I think of Grown Little Man 2009, mm -hmm. to me, that's a classic special. Mm -hmm. There's two sets of yours where I feel like you used the instrument of Kevin Hart to the maximum ability. Mm -hmm. If anybody is listening to this right now, go to YouTube. There's a performance of Kevin Hart at Caroline's Comedy Club. He's in a gray oh sweatshirt. Mm -hmm. Man, you are using the full, I can see, it's like, it's like seeing an early performance of a great singer. I can see you using every part of your game. Mm. Your first joke, you establish how small you are. You're like, I just want to let everybody know these are all jokes. I don't want anybody fighting me in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. I saw you use the, the callbacks, storytelling. Then you see years later with, with I'm a grown little man, all of it, the ostrich story, all of it. Oh, Kevin's a great storyteller. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it was that that was a huge inspiration for me with Homecoming King. If you can tell great stories, 
set up punch and tags actually believe it or not are kind of the easiest thing easiest fucking thing easy you can alt jokes all day people don't know this but the greats who i think right now is the greatest living of all time is Chappelle. Chappelle is a phenomenal storyteller 14 out of 10 fucking unbelievable prior all these guys to me were great storytellers Mm -hmm. i think you also fall in that camp of of great storytellers thank you my the question i had for you is and shout out to Prashant, my co-creator of Patriot Act and my, and, and my collaborative partner. He's told me, he's like, now that you're in this next chapter of your career, everybody knows your moves. You start to become, you can become a caricature of yourself. Mm-hmm. And so what I wanted to ask you is how have you added new moves in the off season to expand your repertoire before you- Such a great question. You know what I'm saying? It's such a great question here here's what here's what i figured out right it's going to sound crazy but it's so true get richard die trying 50 cent like i mean you can yeah. put it in the conversation of hip-hop's greatest album one of the greatest albums ever one of the greatest albums right? ever. and 50 cent put out some more albums and subjective or not to what people who are thinking Still fucking great music, but everybody's looking at it, comparing it to the first fucking album, right? right? What helped me was a realization of I'm I may or may not beat my young or hungry self ever again. I may or may not ever beat grown little man seriously funny. Yeah, like that, my that moment when you brought out your kids. Oh my god! It's like I'll never, I'll never beat that, bro. I, I, yo, it's it's like when the the players finish the game and they pull the jersey off and they give it. They, I was like, this dude is pulling out. He's literally showing his children on camera. Like, this is, this I, is, I'm I'm serious, guys. Yeah, what I'm saying is real. Yeah, this moment is for. Here's what it's for. Yeah, I'm putting my life out in front. So when you're when your your partner he says, you're you're showing your cards or, you know, they know your moves, but they don't know your life. And, and for you as a comic, right. You've done a great job of, of really being who you are. Right. This isn't a game. It's who I am. And the people that now support me are invested into who I am. You're not a, you're not a, a stick. You're not a, you're not a character. So, so what I figured out was through my journey in comedy, the people that have grown with me are going to be with me because they see my changes. They see who I'm becoming. And as you mature and get older, well, your life changes now in your next chapter that you're calling it. Well, this second chapter is about you, honestly, after success. And what does that do to you and for you? Because you're you're not going to be the same version of yourself, yeah. and this is this is a conversation that I've had with my my friends on so many levels. When they say, "Yo, man, you know, Kev, you got to figure out a way to dip back into that raw version of you when you first came," and I go, "How? Right, right, yeah, yeah. Where, like, where where do you expect it to come from?" And this is no. This is not something that I, you know, that I want the listeners here to take and, and, you know, look at in a crazy way. My life is different. I, I live different. So as the married man in the house with the four kids, we, I don't have to say what I have or how much I have. My life is mundane. It's not, I don't have a fucking adventure. I'm not living in an adventure where you were hungry and we didn't have, and you had to figure it out. The adventure in doing that is where your goddamn flourish came from. So now on this side, how do you duplicate a level of funny, but that justifies your real life? And that's that's where longevity comes from for me. It comes from just being real. I've never not been real. And in doing that, I'll say with your team, the best thing for y'all to do is to create again. You're not trying to create the same thing. 
What's the new thing that we can create for me? Like now it's about the creativity yeah, that and goes I got, into the I craft. Got, of- I got to give you credit, Kev, like out of, out of my contemporaries and what I call contemporaries, I'm talking about the living comedians that are prolific right now. You're one of the most prolific. Love it, hate it. You're putting up shots. All the time. Like no fucks given. I'm putting oh, it up. Don't I'm fuck put it up. up hey, I'm putting it up. Hey guys, I'm going to shoot the ball. Yeah, yeah. I, I went and fucking did it. I forgot who I was talking to. Um, it was a uh, Nick Kroll, the the set, and where I did it and how. And I was like, yo, I just it was like a month and a half. And I was like, yo, I'm, I figured out a place where I can get ten to twelve people to come and like watch me perform. And I said, the challenge is me putting together an hour right. in this period of time, yep. being secure with the hour, and filming the special from the house. That's the challenge. If I can do it and I'm happy with it and I think that it's some quality and confidence within what I'm doing and saying, yeah. I'm going to fucking do it. The zero fucks given yeah. was about me and my thought to whatever anybody else felt about anything that I do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the creativity behind it. Either you like it or don't, but guys, I'm going to continue to fucking throw shit out. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to have a fucking, there's going to be a hell of a, a resume. And for you, when, when I'm looking at you now, I would say for you, that resume is going to be amazing. You just talked to me for damn near 50 minutes. And that 50 minutes was a detailed story about your starting comedy, yeah. how, why, right. your, your dad, uh, debate team, college, fuck it, amateur night, oh shit, did it. I somehow wound up at the correspondent dinner, fucked the carpet, took my savings. Hey man, shot a pilot. Netflix said yes. Fuck, six seasons later, that's done. But now my next chapter, I'm still a comic, but yo, I'm figuring out. Do you understand how strong that is to be in a position where you say, I'm figuring out? Yeah. That doesn't exist for us because everything for us is creatives is always, it's always like life or death. We either have or we don't. That middle, that middle place, only a few see. Yeah, man. Yeah, I got you. And, and for you, man, I, I am more excited today about what your next special would be and what your next pop on any type of TV or movie or 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 uh, digital streaming, whatever the fuck it is, there is no way to say no because you have the resume. Right, right. Your resume says success. No nah, man, and and look, man, you're the one that taught me to create that. The people who've rocked with me this long that that have come to the tour and have supported, like they love what I, what I've kind of put up, we've had, we have this amazing relationship. Mm -hmm. You're the one that kind of showed me that, yo, every special, they keep sticking with you. You know, and as you continue to tell the stories about your family, it's almost like they're growing with your family. There's this, Mm -hmm. there's this other part of your guys's journey. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you this, man, you're in a very unique position and we're living in interesting, strange times. We really are like boxers or NFL quarterbacks. We're solo practitioners of our art. If there's anybody over the past five years who's taken more blitzes and sacks, it's been you. Mm-hmm. Like these cornerbacks, these motherfuckers are coming for your head. Mm-hmm. I don't and have no feet. Yeah. I don't, have, I don't have no feet. Oh, like, it's like, <laughs> I don't have any more feet. Have you ever, and I'm not even going to name the controversies, have you mm-hmm. ever felt like this is, <laughs> not to be like DJ Khaled, but... <laughs> They don't want me to win. It's, 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 They're really it's, trying to end me. How I, do you, how did you get through those storms? Because, because we live in this very strange time when because of digital and all that, you don't know when the blitz is going to come. It's like a drone strike. How did you, how have you survived and made it through? You know what? I, the craziest shit will happen to you. And I was telling Prashant, Kev will be on Instagram be like, I know this crazy shit happened, but Jumanji 2 is in theaters yeah, right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, this motherfucker is being extorted. And he's like, guys, that's fine. I'll pay it. But you have to pay for Jumanji 2 in theaters right now. I go, the level of strength this man has to not panic in the pocket. 
This mother- <laughs> <laughs> not acknowledge this? He said, that's fine. I'll pay it. But listen, listen to me. <laughs> You I, must I'll tell you, mind you, too, in theaters now. Oh, it's God. Crazy, Real bro. tears. Real no, tears. No, no. This is like, this is a level of mental clarity and like uh, just wherewithal that you have that I don't think people give you credit for. People have no I, idea what this is like. I'll, I'll tell you this. And you know what? Let's let's take a quick commercial break. This is a good moment to take a break. Right now, we're inside the mind of Hassan Minaj. And I mean, fuck, man. It, it's... I'm just, I'm just blown away. I'm blown away and I shouldn't be, but I am. I just love, I love, I love your commitment to just being you. More Comedy gold mines with Kevin Hart after this. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. This is Comedy Goldmines, hosted by Kevin Hart. All right, Asani, ask me a question as to how I've been able to deal or, uh, you know, just continue, especially with the, the onslaught of shit. Correct. My piece of advice, and I'm a, you know, it's so strong, I'm a, we're going to close out after. I'll give you a chance to, like, uh, just respond to what I'm going to say. All right. There was a moment in my career in life where I felt like everybody loved me, right? Yep. And that was a great feeling. Fuck, man. They think I'm dope. People think I'm talented. It's the shit. And then there was a rock that was thrown and it made me go, oh, fuck. Wait, some people don't like me. And it fucked with me for a minute because I felt like I had to explain why you should. Wait a minute. How? Like, I'm really a, a good guy. I'm really a nice guy. Like, why? What? I love everybody. Like, whoa, what is this? And then I had to go and sit down to myself and go, Kevin, why are you trying to please everyone? That's actually very draining and impossible. It, it'll never happen. And if you now make your presence about pleasing everyone. Well, when you feel like they're not pleased, does that mean you stop doing what you do? Does that mean you question who you are? Does that mean that your talent is no longer a talent because you've let people dictate and control that? Kev, that would be very fucking stupid of you. If you worked this hard and got this far and you started to allow the feelings of others to change you and change the way you fucking operate. So at that day, I made a decision. I'm, I'm numb to, you know, the this or that. Some people like coffee. Some people like tea. Some people run. Some people row. You can do this all day. It's, you're never going to get one and the same and all of the same. Right. So for that alone, I find my solitude. And knowing that somebody out there hopefully appreciates it. I hope. If not, you know who the biggest person that appreciates my work? Me. I'm happy doing what I chose to do in my life. So the day that I'm not happy with it is the day that I'm really fucked up and it's time to stop. But I've yet to let others challenge my feeling of what I chose to do with my life. Have there been tough days where there's days where you're like, yo, why the fuck? Why am I even a celebrity? Like, it's not even worth it. The fame, the fame shit is definitely, yeah. I mean, in today's time is, I mean, I said it in Zero Fucks getting. Being famous is not, and I was being serious. It's not what it used to be. It's not the job that it once was. And that's, that's a fact. It's not me being a dick. That's a fact. It's not the coolest job in the world. Because today it's, it's, it's compromised now. I mean, it's, it's, it's. It's a fucking everyday task to not be compromised 
when you're not even doing nothing to be compromised. But the feeling that fame now has given makes you feel like you're doing something to be compromised. Right. It's a weird thing. So as long as you find the solitude, man, and happiness, and dude, I'll tell you, from hearing you talk, you got a passion within your craft. And like, look at you, you're like the second chapter. Well, how many fucking chapters do you have? Yeah, man. Is yeah. it three or is it 12? It can, it can be 20. Bro, I hope. Like, you I know hope. what I mean? Like that's, that's it's self-determined for us. And yeah. we are a league. We're, we're a league of our own. I hope so, man. You know, you know, this is for both of us, actually. You know, shout out to the OG Jerry Seinfeld. He just put out a book mm -hmm. called Anything. But bro, can you believe Jerry is 66 years old? It's insane. And it's still insane. and still doing what he loves. Loves. And and by the way, with clarity, he's so clear when he speaks. Like, I'm not gonna lie to you, my dad is 70 years old. I wouldn't have him set up the router. Like <laughs> Like Jerry is so clear and cogent, you know what I mean? And, and not to, I don't have to name names, but you know what this game will do to you. Yeah. There are legends, legends that we grew up watching in the eighties and the nineties that had huge sitcoms. And when you, when you look at them now, clarity, when they speak, they have no, they can't even like finish sentences. You're like, mm -hmm. did fame. It can, what did it can fuck you up. Yeah. What's the most brilliant thing that you think Seinfeld did? What do you think is the most brilliant thing? To me, from what I, just my observations of him and the time I've spent with him, he simplified the game. Mm. Which, which sounds easy, but it's not. Because there's a lot of bullshit and nonsense out there. Mm. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take the, I'm, I'm hoping you can, you can leave me with something because I've just been asking all the people that have inspired me. From him, Rock and Colin Quinn, I noticed they all use the yellow legal notepad. So this is just like a little thing that I added to my game this summer. I said, why the yellow notepad? And he's like, because it doesn't feel like it has a ton of value to it. It's like scratch mm -hmm. paper. Mm -hmm. So it makes writing the set easier. Mm -hmm. And you may know this is like the longer I've been doing standup, it's sometimes tough to, to let it just flow out of you. Mm -hmm. And so if you, if you make it easy on yourself, yo, it's just a scratch piece of paper, just write some shit down. Mm -hmm. It'll start coming out. Whereas if I have to sit down at a computer and type it, all of a sudden it's like I'm writing the Declaration of Independence. Yeah. You know what it's, I mean? It becomes, like, a, it becomes work, yes. Yeah. Where I can just keep a marker and scribble like, yo, these are five kind of bits that I want to do. Like, let, let's work backwards. You know what I mean? In my opinion, the dopest thing that Seinfeld did was not give people a chance to destroy what was the best. Oh, leaving, leaving on top. See? Leaving on top, it, it's so much more to that. I did it. I feel like I got to the biggest place in right. this that I could. Right. I'm happy with where I got. I just kind of want to. I just kind of want to chill out now and do stand up and yeah, man, get he out. Ne he never played for the Wizards. You got to give props. He never. He never. He never went for that other volume of fame and success that's over there. And that's what I admire the most about Jerry because he could have, yeah. you know, as a comedian, you know, you got the hit TV show. Well, some comedians want to hit movies. Some want to continue to push. Seinfeld was very happy with his level of success. And he said, I'm done. And then he just did what the fuck he loved. We be, nobody knows what Seinfeld's business is. Nobody knows. They have no idea. Seinfeld is happy. He's got his kids. He's got his wife. He lives where the fuck he lives. But that was that was his his fucking happy. And when you talk about the mental, it's finding that and having that. Right. And I think that's the most important thing because that's the only thing that can be fucking tugged at. By the way, let me ask you this: You've been one of the few comics. You know how egotistical we can be mm -hmm. but you're one of the few guys just on record to put it on record that Chappelle is the greatest of all time greatest mm -hmm. living of all time and you've even given up to like people that you came up with like Patrice mm -hmm. and acknowledge their greatness what mm -hmm. made you do that what made you you know you made it cool to do that to kind of to kind of ex accept your place in history with humility too I 
I am, I am a fan of myself and I, I think I'm good at what I do. In no way, shape, or form do I think I'm the best to ever do it. It's not, it's not for me to determine. But as a fan of the craft, I can clearly see the people that are so fucking good. Right. It, it's a disservice to the craft to not point at the people and go, that motherfucker's great. Chappelle is he's operating at a different frequency. It's crazy. Yeah, he's yeah. he's operating at a completely different frequency. He's it's it's something else. It's something else. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. It's something else. I respect Pryor. I respect Murphy. I have nothing but fucking respect for them. But they didn't have they didn't have the job of dealing with the shit yeah. that we're dealing with now. Yeah. And Chappelle's been the only one willing to stand in the shit and still do his job at the level that he wanted to do it regardless of all the shit that's happening around. I think that alone is goat-like activity. Totally. I, and I, and, and, for all the other comedians that I praise, I mean, Rob, I love man, but I love that you love the game and you respect the game more than your ego. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? Chris Rock has successfully been working in the business of entertainment for over twenty plus years. Writer, director, producer, actor, comedian. He has checked all the boxes successfully. For over 20 plus years. I can't overlook that. Hey right. man, say what you want. That's great. Thank you. Chris Rock <laughs> is a fucking goat. That's a lot. I can't do that. I don't, I'm not built like that. I don't right. get here without them. So, so I have to constantly give those flowers, man. And it yeah. makes our craft better. It makes the younger generation hopefully aware of of just acknowledging the people that make it dope to do what the fuck we do yeah. so that you can be dope as you do what you do. Yeah, man. Russell Peters, give him his fucking flowers. Bro, he so deserves it. I got to say this, man, before we wrap it up, I know we got the message to wrap it up, but I just got to say, you know, as a comic who lives in New York, who goes up at the cellar, there's this photo of you when you walk into the fat black pussycat, I don't know why they didn't, they, they did you like this. This photo should actually be in the main cellar. Like we got, we got to talk to Esty and Noma about this. It's in the fat black. You know, you got kind of demoted to like the beast. But there's this photo of you and you're in a green sweater playing chess mm -hmm. outside. Mm -hmm. And you can barely fit into your sweater. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Huge. It's huge. Huge. Triple like XL. And it's so dope to see how whack you look in that photo to mm -hmm. where you are now. <laughs> like, like, like you really are on the gram every day wearing something different. Yeah, and I look bad straight, in that one. You straight up look like a Mervyn's model in that. <laughs> and, and every time I walk into the, the fat black to do a set, I'm like, yo, if he he's taken it this far, like maybe I can too. So dope, man. So That's I appreciate so you. And, and the audacity and the swing that you had to get a Nike shoe inspired me to do my deal with Kohan. So I just want to say thank you, man. And I, I, I didn't know if I'd ever get this opportunity because real talk, a lot of time comics, we hold ourselves small, mm -hmm. but you've pretty much just, you've swung for the fences. You know what I mean? To be like, yeah, I'm going to do a shoe with Nike. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're the size of Earl Boykins and you did a, you did a sneaker deal with Nike. First of all, I'm, I'm bigger than Earl. I got but, Earl by but, but, but do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I do, so, but just, I just want you to know that I'm 5'4". Right, right. Earl is 5'3". I just want to clear that up. Yeah, right. I, I, I got Earl. Okay, I just want to let you know that. No, man, it's fucking, it, it's amazing. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. And had you not done that, I wouldn't have told my team, yo, set up the meetings around town. Now, I'm a little insulted that none of the athletic brands wanted to do the deal, but it's yeah. okay. It's okay. uh, I'll do, I'll do, I'll do business casual. It's fine. It's okay. It's all right. It's everything. It's all a start. You just said building, building blocks. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you just got to get inside the mind 
of Hassan Minaj. And once again, what an amazing mind it was. Dude, thank you so much. I'm thank serious. You. This was such a great conversation, man. Comedy Gold Mines is a serious XM and LOL audio production. Executive produced by Kevin Hart, Ty Randolph, and Eric Weil. With Tastemakers Media, Emil Garner, and Ian McDonald. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. So what do people get when they listen to The Late Show Pod Show? Let's, let's sell this thing. The extended moments, for sure, because we run out of time for broadcast, but we have plenty of time on the podcast. It's kind of like being a live audience member of the show because you get things that no one else hears. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. (laughs) No, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.